Today's episode is proudly sponsored by Medicine Forward, a grassroots impact network elevating the voice of physician change leaders. Medicine Forward is dedicated to creating a brighter future for healthcare by fostering collaboration, innovation, and positive change within the medical community. With a strong commitment to improving the human patient physician relationship, Medicine Forward brings together forward thinking physicians, healthcare leaders, and change makers to tackle the most pressing challenges in healthcare today. Their initiatives span advocacy, education, and community engagement, all driven by the shared goal of creating a healthier and more equitable healthcare system. As a trusted sponsor of our podcast, Medicine Forward exemplifies their mission to promote meaningful dialogue, facilitate interdisciplinary collaboration, and inspire innovative solutions for a healthier world. We're honored to have Medicine Forward as a partner in our journey to explore the latest developments and insights in healthcare. To learn more about Medicine Forward and their work, visit their website at medicineforward.org. Join us in supporting this remarkable organization as they continue to drive positive change and transformation in healthcare. Welcome to the Ripple of Change podcast, searching for our quadruple aim, where we highlight, celebrate, and extol others creating positive change in healthcare and beyond. I'm your host, Dr. Todd R. Otten, sometimes known as Dr. Rotten. As a reminder, <laughs> sorry, I couldn't help myself. <laughs> Laughter is a good thing, though. Uh, as a reminder, the four tenets of our quadruple aim are patient experience, quality care, lower costs, and provider wellness. And to be honest, if provider isn't a word for you, pick another one and substitute it. Make it your own. You can find Ripple of Change at Our Quadruple Aim. It's also on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Google Play. Another whiff I'm here from me is we recently released our audiobook. First two chapters are currently available. And the rest of the book will be released in January of 2024 with a subscription idea where two chapters will be released weekly. And I'm thinking on a Monday, maybe to give you something to look forward to, I suppose. Uh, we're also debating another subscription model where we're going to have additional content from the minds of Joshua, myself, and potentially others. Um, but keep in mind, that might need a warning because my mind can be a dangerous place to exist, I suppose. <laughs> uh, and then finally, some housekeeping. My usual um, co-host, Joshua Judy and co-author of the book is taking a sabbatical from the podcast to focus on his family, which I 100% support. Initially, I, I, I'm not going to lie, I was a little bummed out, but then my out-of-the-box mind went all over the place, and bam, here we are. What about rotating a guest co-host to interview another guest? And what better way to start than to have two of my friends on? So this is fantastic. I can celebrate two people with one show, and let, let's go, because here we are. So first and foremost, I would like to introduce Denise Wiseman. Denise's career in healthcare began in a critical access hospital in Washington State and expanded to several organizations, large and small, across the United States. After working in both nonprofit and for-profit healthcare sectors and the last decade in patient experience, Denise is now working to make a ruckus that makes a difference in healthcare. She brings her expertise, passion for serving frontline leaders and employees, and entrepreneurial spirit to every conversation. 
Denise encourages those she works with to think differently, create synergistic collaborations, develop relationships and connections beyond their organization and profession, and of course, to make a ruckus. And to ad lib or double tack, click on this a little bit. I think Denise is fantastic, and I am so glad we have crossed paths in this this year, 2023. So welcome to you, Denise. Thank you, Todd. I appreciate that. So now I get to take over and I get to introduce Druvra, yes? That is correct. Fantastic. And so if so, so it seems like there's some <laughs> uh, awkward moments in this, it's because this is the first go around and we're all learning on the fly here. So I, We're I, among I friends. It. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So Druvra is an engaging communicator and is highly knowledgeable about patient experience and physician burnout. His mission is to equip healthcare providers with mindful and empathic techniques to enhance their interactions with patients and avoid burnout. Ruva is the board-certified family doctor and has over 25 years of experience in the medical field. He is a mindfulness-based stress reduction, MSBR, course-certified mindfulness expert and a certified life coach. He is proud of his high patient experience ratings of greater than 95% and that he has cared for over 110,000 patients in his career and counting. Druva is the author of the free ebook, The Dumb Doctor, and the upcoming book to be released in 2024 titled Emotional Freedom. He's a rapper with a forthcoming album titled Emotional Freedom, Patient Experiences to be released February of 2024. This is going to be a fantastic conversation. I'm very much looking forward to it. You guys ready? Right. 100%. 100%. And, and I am so thrilled to have the two of you for this first go around. So thank you so much. Yes. So the first question, of course, we're going to feature first, Druva, on you. You've worked for many years as a physician. What prompted your transition to the work you're doing today? Yeah, thanks for having me, Todd, and you know, thanks for co-hosting Denise and having me come to this podcast to try to inspire from some of the things that I went through that I historically didn't like about myself. Well, what happened was was about six years ago, I was spent seeing seventeen patients a day, answering seventeen my chart messages, thinking about seventeen substances every week, including alcohol drugs, sugar, procrastination, path of least resistance, call all of those substances. And what happened was, was that I completely broke down. I had a mental breakdown and I went to rehab for three months. I was off of work for six months and I didn't know what to do with myself because all of a sudden my emotions are, they're right there in front of me. I didn't know what to do with myself. And then, you know, I rap, I've been rapping for many years. And then I started writing these rap songs about self-love. Do I really love myself? What was I doing with substances? Like, do I really enjoy what I do? Am I grateful for who I am? But mainly it was a lot of uh, what we call uh, in mindfulness, uh, negative bias, negativity bias. It's, you know, you have like 95% of things that are good, but then you just think about the 5% of things that are bad. And that just was all pervasive. And what happened before that is my patient experience ratings were really bad to a point where I almost lost my job. Well, you know, they handed me a letter and they're like, look, bud, 
Like you're going to have to do something about it. And during this time where I'm telling, you know, talking about emotional freedom six years ago, after I got sober, what happened was that I slowly started putting these tools in place to understand that the patient experiences that were not going well had nothing to do with patients. It, it had to do with the way I interacted with myself every morning and how much I judged myself and I didn't like myself. And some people don't like the word self-hate, but I just feel that that's the only way that I could say, oh, really? Okay. Well, if I don't like myself, geez, why would I like anybody else? If I judged myself all the time, why wouldn't I judge everybody else? And then I started going down the path of empathy, which I've just learned like in the past like year and a half. Some of these things like mindfulness, all of these buzzwords, like experience, like transformation. I just started learning like a couple of years ago, value. Like, I mean, you hear these things, but you know, I like to always say that I earned it. And that's where I put these mindful techniques where I just became where, oh, I'm talking bad about myself. You know what? I can't believe that person came in late. Well, I'm like that they're, what they're doing has nothing to do with me. My business is to serve a higher purpose. And slowly what happened was I started developing empathy for myself. I started writing all of these things down on obviously rap songs. And then I have these boards that I write on and flip charts. And that's what I do in speaking engagements now is I'll write down how I did all of these things. And what wound up happening was that in sobriety, I developed these mindful techniques, these empathic techniques. And I didn't even know that it would bring me to where I am. And I started doing some patient experience speaking at the organizations that I work for. And people started asking me, they're like, if, how did you do it? I'm like, I don't know. Let me figure it out. And said, I started writing. I'm like, oh, it was my hygiene. Every morning that I woke up, I'm like, forget about all these things. Forget about drinking coffee. Forget about brushing my teeth. Forget about taking a shower first. And it's not like I didn't do these things. Forget about taking a shower first. Let me first hygienically treat my mind. And then what happened was I slowly started conditioning my mind through the day, developing dialectical techniques where I'm like, this has nothing to do with me. My mission is this. My vision is this. Let's stay calm, calm, calm. Let's touch our fingers to become mindful. And then slowly I started getting these great patient experiences. And then now I'm, that's how I wound up doing what I'm doing. And it's really cool too, because in my keynotes, I rap too. I rap about the same stuff I speak about. It's actually interesting. People are like, well, you rap. And somebody was like saying that that looks like it's hard doing that in between a keynote. I'm like, no, it's actually really easy because when I get to the rap song, I'm very confident and comfortable because it's tough memorized. And Eminem says the same thing. He's like, man, I don't like talking in front of people, but I don't mind talking, you know, rapping things that are memorized. But yeah, you know, I start getting more calm as I'm going to the raps in, in keynotes. So yeah, you know, it's really cool. And a lot of people don't get this luxury of, I was single for six years. People don't get the luxury to have that financial stability, that home security, the food security, where I can go to therapy, where I can come back and write in freedom. And I feel it's my obligation to deliver it. And speaking is fun. I mean, you know, it has its challenges that come along with it. It's a very lonely journey, but but it's fun. And it's fun being able to deliver a purpose. You know, my after my mom died, lastly, I'll be, my mom died and my brother died. I'm like, what do I do now? And this is where I'm at. I, I I might chime in for just a second. Um, I got to say, I will not be rapping in my keynote speeches. There is no, did you spit all your coffee? That was, um, right. um, no, but I, I just want to say, you know, it's, I think your journey is incredible. And I, I don't know if I've told you this before, Druva, but I'm inspired by 
the struggles that you had previously and how you've come out of it and you're serving other people. I just think it's wonderful. You know, Todd, I was going to say the same thing, Drew, I didn't really know your full story. So it's nice to hear that here today. <laughs> the vulnerability, because so many people would hide that, would not disclose it. And yet we all know that everybody is suffering with something. We all have our demons and our ways of um, dealing with them that we're often not very proud of. And so we hide and we uh, do not disclose. And I think it is very important that somebody such as yourself, and I'm grateful you have, step up and be vulnerable and say, I went through this. And then also say, let me share with you what I did for myself. Let me give you some tools that you might be able to put into your toolkit and use to recover in whatever manner is best for them. So I appreciate that greatly. So you also touched on the mind hygiene, and I've heard you talk about mind hygiene. Can you define that for us? What does what does that mean, and how does somebody actually move forward with that for themselves? Mind hygiene, yeah, thanks for asking me this, Denise, and thanks for the uh the inspirational message that you give to todd and you know we all transfer to each other just like denise does with her ruckus and the community but yeah you know everybody has these techniques that we share and when it came to mind hygiene the one thing about mind hygiene is i like to tell people is just don't be confused don't talk to anybody don't try to get solutions from other people first first you write down what you're thinking as an example let's take a scenario that happened when i was younger you know i went to juvenile detention three times when i was younger and I speak about this a lot because people like to hear the transformation, but I'm so beyond it. I don't even understand because all of that was, was a life experience that I had not inspired from yet. A lot of people call it trauma. But what happened was, is that during, let's say I'm going to take this one instance where I'm about to go to juvenile detention for the three, for the third time, but my family takes me to India instead of me having to serve six months, I'm 17 at the time. And what happens is that I'm looking back at that time and I'm, judging it. I'm like, I can't believe I did that. I, I hate myself for doing that. I resent myself. I can't believe that. I'm so dumb. I hope nobody ever finds out. I don't love that. I don't love the limitations behind it. And boy, I'm never going to forgive myself. Well, what's happening is that that resentment has carried over my whole life. And that resentment bias, that implicit bias is what guides my life. And what I started doing is I started putting these techniques that I call mind hygiene in place to understand, I would just take that one scenario that I didn't like that I thought people would judge. And then I started accepting it. And then I started communicating with compassion to it. And then I started embracing it empathetically. Instead of trying to fix the emotions around it, try to overcome the thoughts around it, instead of trying to find ways to deal with it, instead of trying to find ways to control it. Oh my goodness. That's one of the worst things that I'll ever say to anybody to do their mind. Poor mind. Don't control your mind. <laughs> yeah. And then finding coping strategies, trying to block things out and boy, Alberto, trying to be strong. Some of these things all, uh, um, some of these things lead to resentments. And then these resentments have people put their hands on things that they don't want to, sugar, alcohol, cocaine, marijuana. Those are some of the fun things that I've done. But procrastination, path of least resistance are all substances in my mind. <laughs> what I always like to say is ace your life with mind hygiene. Accept your awareness, accept that there was this boy who was 17 that was hurting and what happens is that when you accept there is a healing process that happens and when you're taking time to do that you can ace your life as i say communicate your compassion you can be you can have compassion for yourself because you're writing these things down and then you can embrace your empathy 
which would mean that you just understand that nobody sat there and taught you. My dad saw both of his sisters die in front of him. You know, I can get into that at some later time, but he doesn't have empathy for himself. How do you expect him to have empathy for you? But instead, maybe what you can do is figure out a way to inspire from these adverse childhood experiences or what people call trauma, and then you can use it at, at, at to a higher purpose. Pretty much is that I write down every morning about an incest that I didn't like. I accept, I communicate it compassionately, and I embrace it empathetically instead of trying to fix, overcome the thoughts around it. The more often I do it, the more I can train my mind. So it's mind hygiene. You condition your mind, and then you train your mind to be happy. So this seems like a perfect opportunity to listen to some amazing music from my friend. So uh, I hope everyone enjoys it. And then we're going to come back to the conversation shortly. That grind to the fullest Raising a beast Never raise no bullets Look at the game And what it did to me Ready to boogie That thing in my hoodie Stick on my side Like my name was Woody Dang if he do Dang it Woody All this work Gonna pay good to me All I do is work All I do is work Wake up Drugs save money Drink sleep Hey feels like you don't even love That was wonderful, Drewver. Thank you so much for the the music. And before the music, you were telling us about Ace, and I really appreciated that. And I, I would like to come back to that a little bit and hear about it. So there's a lot of work on mindfulness and the use of gratitude and other types of things. But when you talked about Ace just then, uh, it really resonated with me. I appreciate that. The um, it's It's a way of um, honoring yourself, I think, you know, it's it's awareness, recognition, and then honor and let it go and don't let it hold you back because that's so easy to allow ourselves to hold back because of past things. We can't solve or change what happened in the past. We can only move forward. And I like your ACE model very much. Thank you. Thank you. I'm curious because I know that it is a lot of work and a tough journey to become a physician, and then physicians in our current healthcare system are under a lot of pressure. And with your background, it sounds like perhaps some of that, you had not learned your your mind hygiene and the ACE methodology, and so a lot of that carried with you. I'm curious about those types of things that happened in your experience in becoming a physician 
and or as a physician that allowed those gremlins to follow you into the work? Yeah, no, for sure. As I talked about, yeah, thanks for saying that, Denise. It it has taken me a really long time. And to narrow things down is the most challenging thing. I like to call it the, the, just tangent real quick, is the one tab approach. I just have one tab open at a time. Everything, Mm -hmm. drinking the coffee, my phone, looking at one message, looking into one tab is all, they're all separate events. And when I started doing more than two things at a time, I started getting overwhelmed. I'm like, it sounds so overwhelming when there's like three, four tabs open. You don't, you don't, Drew, you don't want to see my desk right now. Me too. It looks like a, it looks like a bomb hit it. (laughs) There's nothing in my car. There's nothing on my desks. It just, just nothing anywhere. Like it's all just very plain because it helps me, uh, you know, it just helps me focus a little bit better and it helps me concentrate. So some of those things have really led to me and and as an, another example i label everything if you look at my google drive i take no risks everything is labeled they all have their folders i think that that's where michael jordan comes in and says defense wins championships it's all defense the yeah. offense is like oh okay well now now i can honor fear for what it is and do what i need to do to develop courage yeah and when it comes to that question that you ask is about the implicit bias of having resentments towards myself that displaces on others. Is that fair to start with that, Denise? Is that kind mm-hmm. of question that you're in? Yeah. Yeah. And and that's, it's so very challenging because that's just one. You know, the times that, you know, when you hygienically treat your mind in the morning and say, okay, look, these are the things that I resent today. Let me write this down. And when I, I'll condition my mind when I'm driving to work to not get upset, because first of all, driving is super dangerous, super dangerous. The second thing is that if I'm upset, that person who's next to me, whatever happens, on a drive, they're not going to care about me and I'm going to be in my own mind with that team. And when I go to work, that's going to be the same thing that I'm going to do. I can't believe that person did that and blame them and then find people who complain and find people who say things are hard, which makes it just so much more challenging. And then the day is just fraught with resentment. And the opposite of resentment is empathy. The opposite of compassion is judgment. And when you're judging and you're constantly presenting, that day was suck, <laughs> you know? And now what I do is I just serve a higher purpose. The day has nothing to do with me. I'm not stressed at all. It's impossible to be stressed if you're just doing one thing at a time. I'm very confused how people can be stressed if you're just doing one thing. <laughs> doing one thing is so awesome. You know, it's like when you're in a patient room, you know, I get to know them story-wise. Like, I'm like, okay, well, Denise, oh, she worked at Valley. She's from Washington State. Okay, well, how is it living in Long Beach now? What did you do yesterday? Now I have a story to tell. And that becomes exciting because I'm like mindfully thinking about it. And in my in my own definition, what I call masala is empathy is a vicarious experience through somebody's life for 30 seconds and just with presence. And it's so exciting to be to be involved in that vulnerability. So, you know, that's kind of how, first of all, I had to forgive myself. And then I could not forget anything. Forgiving and forgetting is just like forgiving and resenting. You might as well just start resenting right now. You're going to forget it. <laughs> but you know, you got to empathize with it and you got to understand. <clears throat> and you know, I've been sober for five and a half years. I lost 60 pounds 12 years ago. You know, I gained 30 pounds. I'm trying to lose five. It's the same thing with the mind hygiene. You just got to keep on doing it every day. Writing, you know, write down, okay, this happened when you were younger. Oh, could it be because of that? Let me, let me try to empathize and forgive myself. And then when you're happy with yourself, you'll be happy with other people. And that's kind of where it's, I always like to say, whatever happens today has nothing to do with the day. Like, yeah. 
I, th- I think this is brilliant. And I think it speaks to uh, a lot of the work that Denise is doing with the, the PX community, you know, cause, cause honestly, if, if you're not doing well as a provider and, and, and practicing good self care, you're borderline useless to others at times, depending on the circumstances. <laughs> <laughs> and I wasn't aiming that at you, Drew, but I, there was some introspection there as well. Yeah, like when I was yeah. going through burnout, it was tough and, and patients mm-hmm. knew it. Um, so I'd like to, to maybe just shift gears a little bit and, and, and uh, throw a question at Denise um, and hear about what she's currently working on and the, you know, maybe a little bit about the PX community and, and what fills up your cup these days. Excellent. Well, and I want, thank you so much for that. I want to respond to what you were just saying. There's, I find that in healthcare, most are suffering. So we talk a lot about leaders um, and we, there's a lot of finger pointing to our leaders. Why are not our leaders not doing what needs to happen in healthcare to change or transform? But when you get to know our leaders, many of them are equally as uh, their plate over full. They are also suffering. They are also challenged. Don't have the tools and resources they need. Don't have the opportunity, Druva, to have just one thing in front of them at a time. And when they do try to do that, something else comes up because there's always the whack-a-moles of the day. So I think that when we speak about our current healthcare system, I have empathy for everybody within it. I think 95% of those that are within our healthcare system, leaders included, all the way down to our our front lines, uh, uh, support services teams, EVS, food services, et cetera, everybody is trying to do the right thing, serve the purpose, and are equally struggling. The PX community, Todd, the what I started with was fundamentally to build a community titled it PX, Patient Experience, because I've been in that field for the last decade, healthcare for over 25 years. And I can talk patient experience. I have legitimacy there. So it was easy to step into that field. But my my desire, when I say make a ruckus that makes a difference, some of that desire there is that the transformation we need in healthcare is bigger than just a focus on patient experience, our traditional how we've been working on patient experience. It's beyond some of those other siloed efforts. It's how do we actually come together? So the key word is community. How do we come together, recognize each of our roles in this system and our responsibility, our accountability, but how do we come together to move in the direction that we all wish to see? Because right now it feels like we're at odds. I don't think we're intentionally at odds. We just don't know how to do it differently. So my wish is to build that community. And Todd, you and I have talked about the next step. So sometimes I call it 2.0 of the PX community. In some circles, I'm calling it the bridge. It's really how do we go to that next step and unite us? And so it's uh, the uh, technology or the the a field that we're stepping into is network weaving or building a network of networks to build that connectedness, the awareness of each other, and how do we come together to make this transform transformation that we need? This is music to my ears. This mm-hmm. is, fills me up daily having these conversations, <laughs> seeing other individuals around this country who are inspired and empowered to make a change. And, you know, to go back to our quadruple aim, that's really why we use the word our in front of it, because we're Mm -hmm. all, if you think about it, we are all part of this system. 
if we are just sitting around pointing fingers at other people, nothing's going to get changed. And, and unfortunately, I think that contributes to this learned helplessness that exists. Mm -hmm. And so, Druva, your mind hygiene techniques, maybe maybe we can wipe out some of this learned helplessness from people. I mean, <laughs> right? I, I mean, why not? You know, I mean, you know, maybe that's a ripple that somebody gets out of this podcast today. Um, so, yeah, I just want to throw my two cents in there. Den Denise, back to you. Yeah, no, I think that's perfect, Todd. And, and like I said, coming into this, I was hoping this would be a conversation. And I love what you were just saying, because what resonated for me with what Drew was, was talking about is right now in healthcare, you go on to LinkedIn and there's this swirl of negativity and finger pointing and whatnot. And you're right. It's the word are. We're all in this. And a lot of those decisions and actions that we're disgruntled about, people are doing the best that they can with what they have. And so how do we give them grace and how do we come to the conversation with positivity? So letting go of our judgments, our the negative swirl and being able to first ask some questions, some openness to gain awareness and to get to know the other person, not just what they said that triggered us, but understand who they are and really understand what they said, because very often what they said or did has layers under it that we're unaware of. And it's important to know all of that in order to be able to move forward. And so, Druva, I love what you say. We've got to let go of, we don't forget, but we let go of, we don't let it drive us in the future. And we go forward with positivity and that openness to others and to understand and build relationships. This is this is so much fun. I've just been here <laughs> thinking, you know, I know it's mainly audio, but I've got a Metallica T-shirt on and I've got a big smile on my face and and all, all three of us are smiling. This is just wonderful. You know, I think we're probably nearing maybe the 30 minute time frame when we account for the music and things of that nature. I'd love to offer each of you an opportunity to impart maybe one additional idea or thought to the audience. And then after we have those two thoughts, we're going to end with some additional music um from my genius rapping friend from the west coast who i love i love this stuff i think it's fantastic i <laughs> you'll never get me on stage but it's fantastic um so uh Druva, why don't you go first and offer us maybe one more key thought and then we'll bounce it over to denise to do the same uh and then we'll hear some more music yeah thanks guys no denise that was great what you shared and todd you know it's so inspiring it's like you're talking about music to my ears it's such a treat listening to people who are solution driven and like Denise was saying, you know, that negative swirl, you just want to find people that are solution driven. I think that's one of the number one things. It's just like, even if you're the only one in your circle, that's solution driven, that's what, it, that's what you're looking at for the next like couple hours. Then what I would say is that for everybody, I would like to say, you know, in my keynotes, when I speak and do my mind hygiene meditation, I always like to say that I'm a personal trainer and I have multiple coaches in my life and every coach has a different take, for example, on patient experience or empathic or mindful techniques, whatever I'm doing may not work for anybody, but at least I'll be able to start that spark. Let's take an example. If you want to lose one pound, let's just take that as an example. That will be training your mind to be empathetic. What you would do is in the morning when you wake up, you write down, let me accept that I want to lose one pound. I don't want to fix. I don't want to resent myself if I don't do it. I'll show myself some compassion, you know, like accept your awareness, communicate your compassion, 
embrace yourself empathetically because it's hard. Nobody sat me down and said, look, you're going to lose, you're going to lose one pound by doing this. And then what you write down to train your mind to do is if you have 10 chips on a plate to eat eight. And then what happens is that you condition your mind each time to do that. And I even call it sometimes 1% less for one second. And you just take the 10 chips on the plate and eat, eat nine without a TV or a cell phone. And then after that, you wait for another nine minutes, and eat nine more. And then after another nine minutes, you eat 90 more, which means that you're not trying to fix your, your, this is why diets don't work. You know, this, you don't want to fix anything emotion-wise. And then as you keep on doing it, you'll be able to one second that, you know, decrease whatever you're eating by uh, 1% every second. And that's the most important thing. I just say, look, I'm just going to do this for one second. I'm going to run really fast for one second. Let's see what happens. But I'm going to change my clothes. That might take 30 seconds. And now I'm I'm working out for 31 seconds. And the more you do that, the better you're going to get at it. It's the same thing with the mind hygiene. You know, when, the more you accept and the more you radically accept and you communicate in your compassion and empathetic, understand what's going on mindfully, and you condition yourself to do that, you know, you can train your mind to just be not, not as stressed out, not as unhappy, and not, not as mean to yourself. And again, it may not work for everybody. They may not be in that same way, but this is how I lost the weight. This is how I stayed sober. And this is how I've had great patient experiences. But more so, I speak to the people on the micro level, and maybe me so, but definitely not macro. I'm there for the individual. Like if you can empathize with yourself, I don't, just don't see what, how you can't not empathize with anybody else. It's too much trouble being upset in your mind. It's very troublesome because this person that you're getting upset at is there for however long, you know, but you're in your mind all the time. Truva, that's wonderful. And and I, I'd love to hear from you where people can learn more about you, where they can uh, find your music, your ebook and all those things. So if you want to share that information and then Denise, we're going to flip it over to you. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you for that. Well, you know, my main mission is to inspire whoever I can, even if it's one person at a time at a micro level. And I had resigned from my speaking or my, my professional career as a family physician to speak. And now I'm kind of doing some mindfulness-based cognitive therapy, listening to hearts and lungs still, but my passion is to speak. And each time I get paid to speak, I donate 20% to Mind and Body Hospital in India, where it creates awareness for those who live with mental what I call mind wellness, and then substance overuse. I would love it if somebody can say, all right, you know what? This inspirational message, this rap will work. You can go on to druvamd.com, and that's D-H-R-U-V-A-M-D.com, and you can fill out the contact page. And if you feel that my message, my keynote or my mind hygiene meditation would be inspirational, that would be great if you can get in contact with me. And also you can see, I have a lot of rap videos on YouTube. I have some, you know, inspirational messages that I've done on YouTube. And also you can find me at Dr. Druva Guler. That's D-H-R-U-V-A-G-U-L-U-R. And I'm on multiple, I'm on all the streaming platforms and I have like over like maybe 70, 80 songs on them. Yeah. All it has to do with what we talk about. (laughs) Perfect. 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 Fantastic. All right. Denise. You know, um, Based on the conversation we've had today, Pontia Vahidi, who both of you know, uh, a conversation she and I had comes to mind. And one of the things that she said, it was actually on an event I was hosting. And what she identifies is each and every one of us 
can be empowered to make a difference. So it's easy if we're on the front lines in healthcare to feel that we can't do anything without our leader or their one-ups saying that we can do something. So we get into this mindset of disempowerment and frustration, and that can lead to negativity. But Pontia will say that we all can take action. It may not be the full action that we desire the organization to take, but we can be aware of our actions in the moment. Some of that, Druva, might be simply our mindfulness. What are we allowing to happen in our mind at the moment? How do we clear that out and go forward with positivity? But it's those things that we can do. So when we're looking at our our own work with our patients, how do we ensure that when we walk into that door, nothing that has happened in that day comes in with us? We go in with that thought of that patient and how we're serving them. Or maybe it's we're on a unit with others and we're very mindful of how our actions can connect with them. How a smile, a kind word, a simple gesture can make a difference and have a ripple effect, Todd, to your word. That's our ownership in this, right? And those small personal ripples can make a significant difference. So kind of using what Pontia shares and Todd blending it with what you offer and Druva with what you, I think it's kind of a nice way to end this conversation today. This was so much fun. I thank the two of you so, so much for uh, being guinea pigs with this new uh, guest co-hosting experience. And and frankly, I'm not sure I, c- I could have asked for it to go any better. So for those out there listening, uh, please check out uh, the show notes for the appropriate links. Um, and I, I hope everyone has a wonderful day. And don't forget the power of positivity. Grab your copy today. Ripple of Change is available in hard, soft, and ebook formats. More information at www.ourquadrupleaim.com. Thanks for listening, and let's turn ripples into waves of lasting change. Stay tuned to this podcast as we search for examples of Our Quadruple Aim.